event that occurred this weekend and was really quite disturbing, which was the shooting at the conclusion of Old Timers Day in Brownsville, which is this terrific event. I had a chance to go once several years back, kind of as a guest of a Brownsville resident. Um, it's an amazing thing. It's a great block party um, in Brownsville, which is really one of the coolest and most interesting and warmest neighborhoods of the city, where people literally come from Texas, from all over the country, back to the neighborhood. They celebrate um, their friendships, their family. They talk about what it used to look like. People bring back pictures of old stores <laughs> um, and have these very textured, nuanced relationship with their with their uh, uh, neighborhood. Um, it's a very popular stomping ground for politicians, because obviously you find a lot of people sitting around willing to take your pamphlets. And uh, so we have had this uh, great event, unfortunately marred by the shooting last week, and then a conversation after that about whether this reflected on some of the other issues that have come up in recent days around treatment of NYPD officers by people with water buckets and whether or not cops are being told to stand off, um, some accusations by the sergeant's union head. Um, so we're going to have on... Uh, speaker about that. Yeah, the city council member representing Brownsville is Alika Amprey Samuel. She's joined us before to talk about NYCHA because she uh, chairs the city council's public housing committee. Um, but this time she'll she'll talk with us more about her community in Brownsville, uh, part of the council district she represents. Uh, what happened in this in this tragic uh, violence that occurred really right towards the end of of the celebration on Saturday night, and then how the community is responding, uh, what she believes that her you know constituents need um, from city leadership resources. Um, you know, I'll say before uh, Councilmember Ambry Samuel joins us, I actually when she was running for election. Uh, the last election cycle actually moderated a primary debate, and that's where in New York City, especially in most Brooklyn neighborhoods, um, you know, the primary decides the whole thing. And this was an open council seat, and I, I got a chance to go out and moderate one of the debates. I think it was six candidates, uh, and Alika Ampre Samuel wound up winning that primary uh, by a pretty solid margin. Uh, but it was very interesting to be in the community. There were there were the play, you know, it was it was small. Uh, venue for the debate, but it was packed and there were people really invested to see who the next council member was going to be. Hear from the different candidates. We, you know, we really talked about issues particularly, you know, important to, to the Brownsville and surrounding communities, which relate to access to healthy food, poverty, uh, how government is, you know, helping constituents who, who need help. Public housing, of course, which uh, Councilmember Amprey Samuel has worked in and now leads that committee. So, um, you know, I got a sense of Councilmember Amprey Samuel pretty early on in that election cycle um, in 2017. And that was it was very interesting to hear her talk about some of these very issues that we'll talk with her uh, about when she joins us. Yeah. Six years ago, um, city and state and city limits teamed up to cover the 2013 election by focusing on areas where voters congregated and staying in those areas throughout the entire campaign. It was like a bar in Staten Island, a deli in the Upper West Side, uh, a Spanish restaurant in the South Bronx, and I covered the Van Dyke houses in Brownsville. And what was interesting being out there, and I think we might hear some of this from the council member, is that you know because people there are you know, the issues that we talk about in the show and, and in our other uh, doings, uh, are not theoretical there. You know, everything from race to poverty, affordable housing, public housing, and, and crime. And so people had 
ideas and positions on some of the issues of the day that didn't break neatly across demographic or ideological lines. You know, yeah. this is a, a neighborhood that is almost exclusively black where many people were not upset about stop and frisk and were concerned about it being pulled back. And some of that was generational and some of it, it was not. You know, there were a lot of different opinions. And I think one thing we'll talk about is um, how those opinions break down and, what, you know, the question of not whether or not there is a problem, but, uh, but what the appropriate uh, response is. And before we bring Councilmember Ambry Samuel on the line momentarily, I'll just mention that uh, later on in the show, we'll be joined by one of her city council colleagues, city council member Brad Lander, also of Brooklyn, who's going to talk to us about some different issues, maybe some similar issues. Um, so stay tuned for that later in the show. We'll talk with council member Lander about city planning, school desegregation, some of the other things that he's working on. But now let's bring on city council member Alika Amprey Samuel. Thanks for joining us here on Max and Murphy. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette with Jarrett Murphy of City Limits. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, thanks. Thanks for being on. Uh, Council Member, we were talking a little bit about Old Timers Day and what it is. I only went to it once. I've heard a lot about it since, of course. You are much more familiar with it. For listeners who aren't familiar with that event, talk a little bit about the setting for what occurred over recent days. So Old Timers Day is an amazing event. We say it's a family reunion. It's an opportunity for families to come back home to Brownsville, or if you're still here, be able to connect with your neighbors, your friends, and get a chance to sit and eat and chat and enjoy music with people you haven't seen in a very long time. And so um, it's an entire week. So we'll have, um, you know, Wednesday we had jazz night, and then there's Latin night, and there's a fashion show on Thursday, and on Friday, we had Howard Hewitt, who was the former lead of the Shalimar Group. And, um, you know, we have thousands of people. We shut down Linden Boulevard. And um, there's a huge family fish fry where we feed the community. Everyone gets to eat for free. And, um, and it's just a really amazing time and experience. And on Saturday, it's the end of Old Timers Week. And um, this past Saturday, we had, you know, several um, artists, R&B artists from the 70s. And we ended by singing the OJ's Family Reunion. Like the last song that was played on Saturday night was Family Reunion. And we just told everyone in the crowd, you know, hug your neighbor, say I love you. You know, Brownsville, we appreciate you. We had a successful old timers week. You know, I see you next year. And the music stopped. We got off the stage and just, you know, hugged each other, walked through the crowd. And um, next thing you know, we heard gunshots. And this was, it, it, it just went from a warm, fuzzy, beautiful feeling to just um, total shock and sadness in a split second. And so what did this event, obviously there's investigations going on, um, there's people uh, trying to recover from wounds, um, we know at least one person who uh, was killed. Um, what does this event mean to you, say to you, where, you know, what, what are you thinking, uh, aside from the shock of it happening, um, what's, the, what's the meaning here? Is this just a random uh, occurrence that might have been gang-related and it's just it doesn't really mean that much, or what does it mean? Um, so, I, so for the event itself, um, this shooting that took place at Old Timers was random. You know, we have never had um, a mass shooting in the, the middle of Brownsville. 
um, you know, at a family event, a community event. And so this is random. Um, but at the same time, it speaks volumes to the access to illegal guns in New York and just across the country, as well as, um, you know, like all of the mental health issues that um, so many communities are suffering um, from and with. And so um, for me, I just see it as a, a, a systemic problem of just just too many guns on our street, just access to too many guns, and we really need to get a handle of it. And, um, um, you know, we talk a lot, or I've heard a lot about um, gang violence and, um, you know, the gang violence being associated with Brownsville. And um, when you look at the media, just comparing what happened in Brownsville to comparing what happened in California, we had a mass shooting. And it was, you know, innocent people were, were shot. And um, we have a community that's really suffering and traumatized from this random mass shooting. When and you say, it, it, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Council Member, when you say that we need to, to do something about it, I think that, that was your words. What should we do? That's obviously the, the kind of $50 million question. Is it more mm-hmm. enforcement? Stop and frisk was, was ostensibly aimed at getting guns off the street, and to some degree it did succeed mm-hmm. at that. Um, mm-hmm. There are other responses, too. What kind of a mix of policies do you think is appropriate? And I say on the, and I'm talking more uh, when I talk about uh, just like real gun policy and gun laws. It's it's really looking at it on the federal level, right? Um, access to guns, and you know we are not manufacturing guns in Brownsville, right? And so we have guns that are coming into our communities, and so um, and that's because it's just an open market. You can you can purchase guns you know, in other states and be able to get them here. So we have to do more on a federal level as it relates to access to guns. Now, on a local level, we need to be able to provide our young people with um, an incentive to, to do the right thing. You know, instead of picking up a gun and, um, and, and having, uh, like, like, just negativity in your life, provide that young person with something else. Um, provide them with, you know, access to um, um, workforce development opportunities. Provide them with training opportunities. Um, there's so much that's happening. We, we see New York City being developed, but we are not part of that process. So, you know, and I've spoken to the mayor about this when we met on Sunday. Um, Our young people need to be able to be um, provided with job opportunities, employment opportunities throughout the development of this city. And, um, And we don't see that on the local level. And so there are so many things that we've missed out on or been, um, we've been neglected and not part of the conversation. And so that's, and, and this is an opportunity to, to really say what the needs are in our community and how do we prevent, um, like, the, the gun violence and the gang violence on a local level. But it's both local and federal. Right. So say a little bit more on the local. Um, you know, in your mind, what does that look like in terms of how the city invests more in uh, a neighborhood like Brownsville, the rest of your district, uh, other areas of Brooklyn, the Bronx, um, other boroughs where, um, you know, employment rates are not the same as the city average. There's more poverty. There's more incidents of violence. What is what does that look like? What do you say to the mayor when you say, here's what my district, here's what the community in Brownsville needs, and this incident should really, you know, be a wake-up call that we're, we're not getting it? Um, it's the same thing I've been saying um, for quite some time, even when we're negotiating the $92 billion budget that we have in the city. 
we we've said to the mayor that we need more um, you know, Sonic programs, more more funding for after school, more funding for SYEP, more funding for, like I said, um, like vocational programs in our school systems, and not just funding for 3K. Um, and, um, you know, I've also said on a consistent basis, even when you look at my district alone, whenever there's a development, an RFP that goes out for a development project, even at on NYCHA property, the infill deals, you will see the project taking place happening, all the buildings going up, but everyone that works on the sites are um, from outside of our neighborhood. And when we ask that question, you know, what about employing the people that live in the NYCHA developments or the people that live in the surrounding community? We're always told that, well, um, they come with their own workforce or we don't have enough, um, you know, slots for everyone to work, or the people in your community are not trained. They don't have the OSHA 40s, OSHA 30s. And, you know, and for me, I have requested that it's mandatory. You can't just come and say, well, I have 20 positions for this particular development, and I already have 20 people that work for my company. No. If it's 20 positions, then you have to hire 20 people from NYCHA. And if you don't have 20 people from NYCHA, you have to have 20 people from Brownsville. If you don't have 20 from Brownsville, you have to have 20 from Central Brooklyn, all the way down the line. And if you, can't, if you cannot fill that, you have to provide us with the information that you have done your due diligence. You have to come back to the council. You have to come back to the community. And we don't see that happening. Council Wimber, I want to go back to the incident itself. And obviously, in that moment, you were uh, worrying about things other than observing the law enforcement response. But some have claimed since then that police officers were told to stand off, to um, maybe delay intervening in a way that might have prevented this violence. That's an accusation that one of the union leaders made. I'm not sure how much you were able to see or what impressions you got after the fact, but how do you think about, or what did you think of the NYPD response to the incident itself and its general policing of Old Timers Day and especially the Saturday night event? You know, so there's been a lot of, you know, the obvious um, hindsight is twenty twenty, and, you know, lessons learned since Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, but in that moment, I can tell you that I, I, I personally saw police officers. You know, they were at the stage they were um, between the stage and the, the BRC building. They were along the street. And in fact, when we ended the song um, Family Reunion, I actually said, I want to thank the members of the NYPD who are here. We have our community affairs officers with us. And I called out to the crowd, you know, where are my community affairs officers? You know, we have a beautiful community um, police relations. When it comes to working together with community affairs and our NCOs, I said that on the stage. And um, when I left the stage, I walked right over to members of the 73rd Precinct and spoke to them. And this was right in front of the park, right in front of the entrance where the shots were fired. And it was just a matter of seconds for me hugging Officer Spears and hugging um, Detective um, um, Marianne that I just made a quick turn and the shots were fired. So the police officers were also right there. And, and there's nothing more... Um, proactive that you want from uh, the police at future events like this, not necessarily something as large scale as old timers day week, but, um, you know, other community events, do you feel like, uh, you know, the NYPD has sort of backed off too much or, or is that not the answer for you? You know what? I, I do not believe that there should be more policing 
in situations like that. I, I think that um, the police have a role to play in our community, and we are really working hard to, um, to have a balance on what that is and what that looks like. And um, I've actually funded um, the Saint Third Precinct $250,000 to build out a community space to, um, to build that bridge between um, the police and the community. And um, I do not think that we need to have more police officers. Mm -hmm. I think it's just really a matter of figuring out the logistics around placement and um, being able to fund more community-based organizations that work on care violence and crisis management for them to be a part of, play a, a more active role in community events because they are the ones that are able to um, essentially help to prevent crime when it happens. So we need to fund more community-based organizations. Well, it's a much more important and complicated issue than the few minutes we've devoted to it will indicate. But thank you so much. We wanted to make sure we talked about it somewhat. Thank you so much, Council Member Alika Amphrey Samuel, for joining us, uh, for talking thank about these you. events in Brownsville. And we hope to have you on again soon to talk about this in more depth. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank we'll be, you. We'll be right back. And we're back on Max and Murphy here on WBAI 99.5 FM. want to remind listeners that we are here on the air because of support from people like you. It's time once again to pony up and put your money where your, your ears are and where your uh, principles are by supporting independent radio shows like this and the many excellent ones that are also on this uh, part of your FM dial. Please call 516-620-3602. Or give to WBAI.org. That's the number two. Give to WBAI.org. Or text WBAI to 41444 to make a contribution to be part of the family that makes this excellent radio possible.